Today, I visit one of my very good friends, Katie Holmes-Smith. She is one of the UK's most sought-after session and backing vocalists, and has worked with everyone from Jesse J to Professor Green and Ollie Murs. In this chat, amongst other gems, she lets us know how aspiring singers can find the quickest route to success. I would just say it's really important to do what you love doing. And if you don't think you're great at it, it doesn't matter. You can be great and just get nowhere. So the passion and the, the love to do it counts for more than anything else. Katie Holmes-Smith, as I live and breathe. Yay! <laughs> Yay! How are you? I'm very good, thank I you. I noticed you haven't got a... I've, I've drunk it. I've done it. Twice, too. Loads. I took too long setting up, didn't I? That's yeah, you did. It's probably cold now. Today, it's all about you. It's all about your life, your experiences. No one needs to hear that. Your future. <laughs> um, so first, let's dig straight in, straight away. Can we just say, can we ask you what uh, your education looked like when you were younger? Because obviously like now you are doing um, the back and vocalist stuff, which we'll get into in a second. Mm-hmm. But I'm just really intrigued to know, was it intensive? Was there anything where you thought, yeah, that, that that's what made me into a singer? If there isn't, that's fine, but... Yeah, I would say when I was growing up, as in when I was at school, I just received your, I guess your normal setup of vocal education. I had singing lessons one-to-one mainly. I was in a choir. um, And obviously the choir ensemble-based stuff wasn't very specific to a technique or a method of any kind. It was just singing. The lessons I had, I, I probably started when I was about 14. So it was actually quite late. I mean, obviously people can start studying voice at any age but I think if I'd done it younger than that maybe a lot of it would have gone over my head but at 14 I really knew that I wanted to sing I knew that it was something I wanted to do for a a future path you know a passion so I studied with a teacher in my local area and that was great it kind of gave me some basic um, tools to use but at the time it was fairly generic should I say it wasn't until later on in adulthood when I started delving into vocal coaching myself um, and just being surrounded by other singers and other singing teachers and I just picked up on these different methods and suddenly understood that there was this difference between having a singing lesson but then having a singing lesson with someone who was very much into the vocal science and the like the physical side of things that suddenly just answered a lot of questions that I had. But that wasn't until I was about in my 20s. And then suddenly at that point, I realised that my potential as a singer went, you know, sky high. So what do you think that is? Is it the biggest shift for you then was actually knowing about the technical side of stuff, the science, for you personally? Definitely, 100%. So do you see a clear distinction then between two types of, of teacher, whether it be one that follows a, a, a certain method that really dials into the specific aspects you, you, spoke, yeah. you speak about, or, and there's the other side where maybe it's a little bit more conceptual. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but do, do, is that what you see? Definitely, yeah. 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 I think people, people can't help but be influenced by their own experiences and their own mm. research and their own decisions that they've made through their own vocal process. Um, But for my early study, I was just given an opportunity to sing and that was really important for me. But ultimately it wasn't until I started studying with a certain type of teacher, one that was probably more 
scientifically educated, someone that had actual answers to things I needed to, you know, questions I needed solving. That was when I suddenly became inspired by the, you know, that next level nerd vocal aspect. Because mm. it's like anything else, you know, you, you can be good, but how are you going to fix yourself if you find yourself in a problem? You know, you don't have that education to back it up. And, uh, you know, when I go on stage and I sing, I don't necessarily have this technique running through my mind every second of every song because that would be unnatural for me. I just, performance is definitely a very organic thing. And, but it's just, it's muscle memory. It's just having that in the back of your mind so your voice recognises the settings that it feels good in and you just can have fun with your voice knowing that it's, you know, when you've warmed up before the gig or you're cooling down after your gig you're in the safe hands, so yeah. you've got a little bit more leeway. This is really good with you. I know you, um, we've spoke about this stuff before anyway, yeah. but with you, because you're a funny one. You're, you're, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I am. Yes, you are. Let's just rewind over the past eight years. Mm -hmm. um, I think my eight or nine, I'm just guessing really, but I'm thinking back to the days in Southampton when you started with Mark Hill. Yeah. What has happened in a nutshell, Okay. in about, 120 seconds. Whoa. <laughs> uh, what has happened since then? So since then, I have basically made a career out of being primarily a session vocalist, which in essence is lots of different things. But personally for me, it's been a lot of backing vocals with popular artists in you know pop music, R&B music. Um, I've also done a lot of events. So I've done a lot of corporate um, singing at corporate events, weddings, you know, any kind of event that's going on that needs a band or a singer or anything like that. And I've also been, you know, developing my co my vocal coaching as well. Um, and I've been lucky enough just to kind of snowball in along and just pick up more contacts and networking as I've gone through and build a reputation. So obviously now I'm at a stage where people can just contact me directly and say, so-and-so needs a backing singer. I need a singer for a band. Um, I need some help with my voice. Are you available? And I've been able to basically build a career out of doing that. And I make a living out of it. That's what I do full time. Um, and so far, you know, I've just been really busy and had lots of great experiences. And I've been able to work with some really big names in the music industry commercially. Um, and just, yeah, travel the world a little bit. Um, meet some amazing musicians some talented singers just be inspired and educated and just step forward every time yeah you know and um obviously there's a whole roster there jesse j ollie Murs, yeah Lena lewis they're the names that people would yeah. respond to most recognize yeah um all over the world um and I mean, you say there that you've, you just kind of, I can't remember what word you used, but you kind of drifted into it or you've just drifted As along. I do. Yeah. But I <laughs> disagree. <laughs> and oh, snowballing. I want to no, ask you, I want to ask you what, why, because there are a lot of singers yeah. and a lot of musicians. Why do you think you have been able to have a career I mean, okay, it's spread across yeah. a number of different things, but have a career in what you want to do, in singing, in teaching, in touring the world as a session back and vocalist. Yeah. What is it about you? I've got my thoughts, just to let you know. But I think ultimately, it's, it's, there's a few different reasons why, but I think fundamentally it's because I'm good at what I do. Like, I'm 
versatile, I'm consistent, I'm, I, tr I try and be professional all the time, I'm, I try and be a nice person. So all those little things aside from the voice matters, you know, you've got to look good and that's obviously a challenge for, for me and for everybody else, you know, we try and, you know, looking good is quite difficult, um, you have to be on your A-game all the time. Um, you know, I don't wake up every morning going, I got the job because I'm so great. You know, it's not that. It's the fact that you've just got to be likeable and you've got to be reliable. So fundamentally, if you get asked to do a job, it's because someone's gone, she can sing. She's really good at singing. But what's she like as a person? So I could be a great singer, but I could be a horrible person. And it's definitely going to play a big part. So it's a combination of things, really. Mm. Ultimately, it's be talented be versatile, be nice, and you just got to fit into lots of different situations. So, you know, people who are very set in their ways or very quite sometimes even awkward to be around, they're the sort of people that would more likely be artists. You know what I mean? Mm. So yeah, it's, it's, I think it's talent and being a nice person. I think an add-on to that as well um, is, I'd love to know, how confident are you with your voice? That's a really hard question to answer no. because it, in relation to what, but... Yeah, I, no, it's a great question because a lot of people, if they're honest with themselves, they'd say they're not. I think, in answer to your question, I feel generally across the board, I am and have always been really confident with my voice, but I'm always tested, I'm always educated, I'm always inspired, and I'm always checking myself for things that I can improve upon. So it is quite a relentless task. And that makes it sound like this is ongoing uphill climb, which feels quite, you know, it's exhausting if you think about it like that. But it's not, you know, it's just a natural progression that if you're someone that wants to be good at what you do and you enjoy a challenge and you're obviously not going to settle, you just naturally want to keep improving and getting better and better. And I think that's what I've done. So yeah, there, I, I, there have been in environments I've been in where I have been intimidated by other singers that I've been around. And there have been times when I haven't been intimidated because I know that I'm probably the strongest vocalist in that environment and it just swings and roundabouts. Mm. So I think what's important is that if you, if you are surrounded by other singers or other aspiring singers, you all want the same thing. You know, so there is a little bit of competitiveness. There's a little bit of, you know, you do have to be quite selfish and push yourself and be, try and be the one that people want to hear or watch. But ultimately you're just part of this big collection of vocalists who are all trying to support each other and, mm. you know, do the same thing. So Right, and, and I think this, the success as well though, your success in business, how much do you think about that as a, business what you do as a business mm. because just from speaking to you obviously we know to them really well but yeah just on a day-to-day -day speaking to you i mean even about your house stuff yeah you know what i get from you is you've got drive and you've got if we're going to do this we're going to do it right hopefully right fingers <laughs> <laughs> across don't want to screw that up yeah but do you see what i'm saying yeah. um and i think that it can often be missed with musicians or singers in that this is a business. Yeah. This does need to be treated that way. And maybe it's something you take for granted in a way. It's just your work ethic. It's just yeah. the way you are in life. But do you think that that is something that you are um, really... Something Good at. Yes, yeah, it's, it's your thing. It's interesting you say that, actually, because I think it's 
makes a lot of sense to me that that I'm that way inclined and that I've fallen into being a session vocalist rather than an artist. And the people always say that to me, they go, do you want to be an artist? And it's not like it's a decision that I consciously made. Like, no, I don't want to. I mean, there's pros and cons, obviously, in every industry you get into. But yeah, I mean, the business aspect is very different from the creative muso aspect of music. And I think people who are very anti-business or not even anti but just unconscious to it are the people that would be the artists of this world and you know obviously they have an idea of money and all that kind of stuff but yeah it's, for me it's a it's it's a way to be able to afford to live my life and love do a job I love you know it's a lot of um if you if you go out to work and you earn a living and then you know you you're able to get yourself a house or a flat or a car, whatever it is. You, it's quite difficult doing that when you're an artist. You have to really graft and grind and you don't grind, not in that way. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what, I was just about to inject then and say, because you spent a bit of time trying that, but then yeah. I didn't want to say it straight after you said about grinding, because that's a bit strange. Basically, I did the wrong kind of grind. <laughs> that, but no, because you did, right? And it, it, what yeah, you're saying is that, yeah. was that, was that a conscious choice? Like, this isn't stable. This is yeah. Zinc, right? Yeah, I mean, the, the way it was is that I was working on my own artistry for, for the early part of my career, like when I was from 18 onwards. Mm. And then, yeah, I got to the stage where I wanted to buy things. You know, I was like, oh, I want to learn how to drive. And, and I realised that I was working as a waitress and I was working in retail, but I was going to the studio part-time and writing songs and recording songs and performing... And it just made sense to me that why am I working in a shop earning minimum wage and then trying to be a singer? It made sense at the time to sort of say, well, actually, I, I could join a band and go out and sing. And then it makes sense because I'm trying to be a singer and then I can be a singer and make money doing singing things. And obviously, the money f was at the time slightly better and it was more enjoyable because it was more of what I wanted to be doing with my life. And I gained valuable experience doing that. So it was like a work-based learning setup. You know, it made absolute sense. But having made that decision, obviously that then led me down the role of, well, I'm making money through singing. I may as well just carry on doing this. Mm. So yeah, it wasn't like a, it, well, it was a semi-conscious decision in the early days, but I didn't actually realise at the time how influential that decision would, would be. Because if I didn't do that, I probably would have stuck at the, you know, and I still do the artisty thing now and again. I still do write and try and be creative. But 100%, once you've made a career out of, you know, being a backing vocalist, then the next person says, well, do you want to do backing vocals for me and for this artist? And it just kind of keeps going. And before you know it, you're looking back on five years ago and, you know, like you asked yeah, me before, yeah. like, what have you been doing with your life? Well, I've been singing, Yeah. you know. And that's, that's great, actually. There's a great link onto what I was just about to ask next, which is yeah. about how you've gone from one artist to the next and how mm. the backing vocalist scene really seems to work in London especially. Yeah. Because you made, a, you made a conscious decision, I remember the conversation we had, of moving to London. Yeah. For that reason. Definitely, right? yeah. I think, the thing is, the music industry changes all the time, but when, eight years ago, I lived in Southampton and I knew that the work I did get was always seen as a bit of a, um, it was always a bit of an issue that I lived in Southampton. 
and it's nothing against Southampton. It's just... <laughs> Southamptonites. It's the Southamptonites. <laughs> no, I just think it was the fact that in London, you're in this little hub, and even though it can take you two hours to get from South London to North London, which is ridiculous, you're five miles away from somewhere. You know, it's, you're, you're seen as being easy accessible when you're living in London. And at the time, I didn't, people didn't see me as that. So someone needs a singer straight away. They're not going to pick up the phone and phone a South, Southamptonite other than mm. so-and-so who lives just around the corner. It, you know, it kind of used to be really frustrating for me. So it's not like I'm saying everyone needs to live in London because that's not the case. But I think back then it was more apparent for me to live in London than it was to not live in London because I didn't have a family of singers that I was naturally just networking and you know have those connections I had to make them from the bottom up so for me being around those people as often as I could really made a difference because it's like any industry it's like a little clique and it's not bad it's just the way it is you know I need a singer uh, okay, well, my friend sings, and it's just being at the top of those people's lists. And if you're not at the top of those lists, you could be the best singer in your town, but no one's going to remember to call you. Like, oh yeah, I didn't think about. I should have should have called you. It's like, well, it's because I'm 75 miles away, and right. you know, I don't and see no you very know, often. And, and no one possibly knows you, right? Right, and and if they do know me, they've know of me, and they've not worked with me enough to go, yeah, she's great. You know, she's got great work ethic. Yeah. She's really consistent. So you have to prove yourself you know you have to just be there be around and that's a great point because i think there it could be the thought that there will be people that give jobs out you know there are people at the head of whatever company it is that are like we need some backing vocalists let's do some auditions or yeah but it doesn't seem to really work that way. i mean there are auditions clearly definitely but, but like you say it's more it's going to be an easier job for everyone if it's somebody that you know and they've been proven before definitely right which is why it's so easy to like once you're in it you just can keep going and it and I'm not saying that once you've done one job then every job opportunity comes your way that's not true at all um you know people want different things people don't always want the same as what everybody else has so there are pros and cons in even being a popular bv you know people were like sorry bv backing vocal Mm. um it's not always people want something else people want something different so it's hard it's like even you know i don't want to say even i have a struggle i i still battle. it's it's a it's a battle every day yeah yeah. you know people looking in is are very complimentary they'll say gosh you're so busy you seem to be doing such great things you get to travel but ultimately i'm self-employed i'm working on the business that is katie holmesmith and that is singer you know, session singer, backing vocal singer, vocal coach, songwriter, whatever, you know. So it's kind of every day you're meeting new people and you're doing new projects. So it's kind of that cliche, you're only as good as your last job or it's not what you know, it's who you know, but it kind of is true. True, yeah. It kind of is, you know. So what happens on a day, on a, on a, on a tour with, let's say, the last tour, Ollie Murs? Yeah. So what would you do? What happens? So you, you, you're up in the morning, I visualise team workouts uh that's happened oh really yeah can you elaborate yeah i mean to be honest so the there is a general structure that happens on on tour so those general structures are if you're touring the uk 
and you're going to do like a run of dates that vary from say up to Scotland, over to Wales, across like the centre. So you're doing the main cities like Leeds, Liverpool, Newcastle, Manchester, um, Bournemouth, Southampton, whatever. You'll you'll get into a tour bus and all of you will live together on this lovely big bus that's got like bunks on the up first you know upstairs and it's got like a little kitchenette and a little lounge area and a little toilet um that you can't do all your business in you can't shower so what you do is you then load off in the morning when you arrive at the venue and then you just go and use the facilities at the venue and you'd basically all just pile out into the dressing rooms and you take a shower and you get yourself ready and go to catering or you know go down the local town and get yourself some food and then Normally you sound check, we sound check every day and sound check is normally about four o'clock in the afternoon and then you've got a support act sound check and then obviously the support act goes on probably about eight-ish, 8.30 and they do normally about half an hour and then they have like a half hour changeover so they get their gear off the stage and the guys set the stage for, you know, the main act and then you're normally on stage for about nine o'clock for about an hour and a half to two hours um it's never normally a break in the middle it's not like the theater we have mm. an interval um and then that's it and then post gig you sort of hang out in your dressing room have a few drinks chat about the show have a bit of fun relax get back on the bus and travel to the next city and then do the whole thing again so it's it's a bit like Groundhog Day in a sense that you are essentially having the same routine every day, but it's a different city, different environment. And do you really feel that when you step into a new stadium or a new, a new um, arena, whatever? Slightly uh, over exaggerating my career. <laughs> so I haven't got to that stage We're yet. We're talking, what, what kind of numbers are we talking? 150,000? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I've done some gigs like that. No, it's generally, I mean, UK tours, I mean, you're looking at anywhere from, say, O2 Academies up yep. to or theatre tours up to arenas. But that so, said, there's still a few thousand people there and, yeah, and, it's, and yeah. it's, uh, it's a great vibe, right? Definitely. But in terms of the, in terms of the uh, schedule, as you just spoke about, we spoke about this earlier when I know, but it's a great topic. Voice, uh, sustainability, mm. being tired, um, even the artist himself. But for you, uh, how have you found keeping your voice intact night after night? Well, generally, they you kind of find they have a pattern of, of gigs. So on the Ollie tour, um, it was really, really, I have to say that tour was slightly different to the other tours I've done in the past in the sense that he's quite a big artist. So he, it, was an, it was an arena tour and he'd sold out like two, three nights at any arena. So we were just, we had the luxury of staying in some hotels and, you know, it was really, really, really nice tour. So they had a setup where... He would do two shows and then have a day off, two shows and then a day off. So it was never going to be more than two, three nights at the maximum of just singing, you know, before he had a day off and before we all got a day off. Um, it's, I think it's probably, well, it's probably harder for the artist than it is for the, for the backing vocalists, just because they have to, not only do they have to sing every song, but they have to speak to the crowd and that adrenaline that they must feel in comparison to the adrenaline we must feel is going to be magnified. So personally, I'm, I'm very lucky. I've always been very much into my vocal health. I've always looked after my voice. Um, I will always do a vocal warm up before every show and try with, your, with your straw, with my straw, 
with yeah app music you know scales apps all that kind of thing obviously i don't have a keyboard that i drag around with me so it's generally like on my ipad or my iphone stick the app on go and do some scales um and it, yeah it's part of my routine mm. um it's really important because you you can't really ever just kind of take the foot off the gas you know every show you've got i mean for the ollie tour an arena is like 10 to 15,000 people and if it's sold out which his tour pretty much was the whole way you've got a fresh batch of people every single night and if you take a little setback I mean it's more for the artists as well imagine going to see him and the tickets are like 50 quid a pop and then you think he wasn't into it mm, or mm. the backing vocals just sounded really pitchy or and that could just be because of fatigue um well this is what we were talking about earlier on wasn't it yeah. the um the, the demand on today's artists, especially yeah. in the arena you work. I mean, how many singers in the past year have right. dropped out? And, and as we said, it's, it's actually, they can get slammed for having bad technique, not singing right, the um, bad lifestyle. Mm. But in fact, how much of it comes down to the songs that they're required to sing these days, how, how much they're actually right for a human being to sing night after night with that intensity, with the on stage, yeah, presence, chat, and, chat yeah. and energy. And um, yeah, it, it, I mean, it's tough, which is why it's good to hear, like you said, that, you know, Ollie and some of the other guys, are, they, mm. they're actually quite strict with their regime. Right? Yeah, I mean, he definitely was. And with other artists, I know, like with Leona and uh, Stephen, who's Professor Green, they, it doesn't matter what type of artist you are, I think you'll find most artists will actually take care of their voice as much as they can especially if they sing you know but even Stephen you know he raps it's still quite demanding on his voice and um he he's we've all had moments where we felt fatigue with our voices and we panic and the pressure on them is massive um and yeah I think a lot of singers take care of their voice they Ollie did a warm-up every night with Stephen, I always work with him and we warm up together and Leona is the same and even like the support artist on the Ollie tour, Ella Air was the support act. You could hear her warming up every show yeah. and it's great to hear because yeah. you're right, it's so demanding and I feel as though, you know, the level of singing in general is always getting better and better. You know, if you listen to some of the vocals, the acrobatics and the ranges that people are writing in nowadays, it's really hard, you know, it's, um, not only are you sort of on stage moving about, sweating and dancing and chatting and laughing and being intimate with the crowd and being really hyped with them, you've got to sing and deliver. You know, say Ollie, for example, he doesn't go through loads of vocal compressors. And I mean, obviously the microphones that we use, we have the best, equipment it always sounds lovely and it's going to sound you know really well mixed and all that kind of stuff so that does make our lives easier but fundamentally it's not like he's miming to his own voice or he would never do that you know it's always just 100% live yeah. all the backing vocals like 100% live um, and it's the same with most artists so it is right. yeah and that's a, th another interesting point for, for, for me for you is that to me <laughs> Is that I've always said it, and I don't care what you say. You are your voice. Oh, come on, let's do it. Um, it is what it is, though, right? It yeah. is what it is. You, I've always said you—you've got the best voice of a human being that I know. No. Oh. 
That was great English. <laughs> but but the point is, the, what does that even mean? I mean, obviously, ov- yeah. obviously some of it's subjective. Like for me, I, the tone, something relates to your tone and I really like it. But that obviously comes from, especially with, from a teacher, mm. something where, well, a, an organised vocal tract. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, yeah. you, you know what you're doing, right? So that resonates with me. But also, it's always been the, the ease that I've heard from your voice. You've always been somebody that's always remained comfortable despite producing lovely sound, which is obviously why it resonates with me. Yeah. Um, and that's why I was interested to know throughout this journey and the more gigging you've done, whether you have had or felt, oh, okay, like today, yeah. Especially with this turn in, in, in pop music where it's yeah. got, seemingly got a lot harder. Yeah. The, 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 the tone required is a lot more intense. Yeah. And whether you've suffered or felt like, okay, I mean, is it just have a look at this? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're all human and we all, it's just, it's just muscle and ligaments and tissue. And it's like, it's, it's never going to be at its absolute peak 100% of the time. It's just fundamentally not ever going to happen. It's like, I've got a great immune system. I'm very rarely ill, touch wood. But, you know, I get colds. I, I, my body says no too much and my voice does the same sometimes so I've been very lucky I, I was fortunate enough to just have I think a good vocal setup where when I started studying voice you know as a vocal coach I, I could appreciate the advantages that maybe I had coming into to singing as a profession because I could always sing you know I wasn't always the level I'm at now. Because to be fair, I mean, if I'm, tell me if I'm wrong, but you started out dancing. Yeah. 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 I was that exactly. Was your thing. Yeah. I don't. I was dancing from two and a half, and I started singing properly. Probably about yeah, ten, nine, ten years old. I say properly. I just mean that's when I joined a choir, and that's sure. when I started yeah, yeah. investigating my voice. Um, yeah, but consciously, I was dancing far earlier than I was singing. So. It's, it's one of those things, you know, a lot of people, sorry, this is another question, obviously I'm diver- taking that diversion, but like a lot of people will say, can you teach anyone to sing? It's probably a question you get all the time. Mm. And the truth is that yes, of course you can, you can teach anyone to do anything, but fundamentally where you start, not everyone's going to start at the same, same section. And I was just lucky enough that, you know, if I open my mouth to sing, it was always a nice sound, you know, I didn't have, I guess the the struggles that some people have well, had to face. It, if you start, in, like saying, no matter what you start in, if you start in a good place, you're going to be feeling more good stuff more of the time. Yeah. So you're going to have less of that, oh, today's a really bad day. Yeah. I'm not sure I can continue with this. So yeah. it's just self-perpetuating, I guess, when you're in, in your lucky situation. It's not yeah. lucky, but... Right. No, it's, it's true. It is lucky. I mean, I, it's not something I chose. It's just something that happened. Mm. And I think I've always tried to better my voice throughout my life and I mean I've I've been singing professionally for about 15 years now so I feel as though now more than ever I notice those changes in my voice did I push myself too far on that gig Um, I'm a grafter and I every time I get up to sing I try and do the best I can do and I mean that genuinely you know I very rarely allow myself just to go, everyone's just chatting. You know, no one's really listening to what I'm doing. I may as well just back off. I don't have that gauge in myself. I mean, I know how to do that, but just self-satisfaction means I'm always kind of trying to sing 
better than I did the last time I sang. I want to perform that song better than the last time I performed it. So I put a lot of pressure on myself and of course I'm going to feel it. You know, I do, I do experience vocal fatigue. I do have to just give myself a break. Um, and there are times when I realise I'm probably doing too much and maybe I'm even slipping into some habits. You know, you, you will never, ever be as, as educated as you are. You will always fall off the wagon a little bit and think, oh, yeah, I'm well, a bit, the, dri- bit dry or, you know, think, you know. I'd and, and the, you know, we've got to remember that the voice is the, the kind of least rigid instrument that the ever made yeah so, you know so it's constantly moving and, it, and it's our job as the singing monkey around it to, yeah. to try and always just see if we can get to that optimal place wherever that may lie yeah, right there's, absolutely there's, but um with that in mind about training and um what we should be doing if there's a 10 year old you um what would you say to them what would you say uh, obviously a 10 year old you would be going I want to be a backing vocalist. I want to be a session singer. What would you say to that that youngster oh, um, about what they should do? I don't know if I would have necessarily tell myself to do anything differently, but I'd probably try and speed up the process a little bit. Like, you know, be a bit more creative. Be surrounded by lots of great singers, or if that was what I wanted to do at the time. Mm. You know, I mean, I grew up where I grew up. I was influenced by the school I went to and had the friends around me that I did. I, c- I couldn't really have changed any of that. But, right, the environment. Um, I would just say it's really important to do what you love doing. And if you don't think you're great at it, it doesn't matter. You can be great and just get nowhere. So the passion and the, the love to do it counts for more than anything else. Um, and singing makes me happy. And I never really said, I want to be famous, which is why when I started making a living out of being a singer, I felt like I'd achieved my goal. So now it's kind of like ticking more boxes. So there are fields that I want to cross over into. I do want to strive and achieve more in my career, but I'm happy. Mm. And that ultimately, that's all that matters. You know? So basically, in, in short, finding, finding what you love, the passion, and as long as it continues to be a passion and love, then yeah, stick you're to it. winning anyway, right? Absolutely. Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, my dad always says to me, I'm really proud of you. And that's obviously a lovely thing for your dad to say to you, but he's more proud of the fact that I do a job I love rather than, oh, you're, my daughter's a singer, she's great. Uh, you know, that, forget it. I could, be, sure. I could be a primary school teacher, I could be a florist, I could be a lollipop lady. But if, if I get up every morning and I love what I do and I'm enthusiastic and it just beams out of me, then it's... That's the thing I'm supposed to be doing. But, right. I, you know, I just chose singing because that's what I love. Um, and that was obvious from the day, from the beginning. You know, I always wanted to be performing and singing. So for me, it was an easy decision to make. Yeah. So yeah. like you say, as long as you're doing something that makes you happy, you, you're not going to be doing anything wrong. Mm. You know? How can you lose? Exactly. Right. right. Yeah. We talked about speaking to yourself as a, as a youngster. What would you say to yourself? Um, it's very hard. If you had... 15 children in front of you mm-hmm. right now, which I guess you may have, may have done over yeah. the past few years and you may do in the future, yeah. uh, who are looking for some sort of future in singing, a career. What would you teach them within that hour for them to get the most out of the hour? If we're talking children, I would go for tapping into their 
interests ultimately because sometimes with vocal technique it can be a little bit like it's imperative and the sooner you get them on that sort of stuff the better so i would definitely include specific vocal technique into my hour and encourage them to obviously enjoy that process but kids like to sing they don't quite get scales sometimes so i i quite like if ever I'm teaching youngsters, I quite like them to sing together. Ensemble singing and blending and just so they can appreciate each other. And one sort of thing I found really works with them is getting to perform in front of each other. Because that's quite fun and kids are a little bit fearless. So do that with a bunch of adults and they absolutely run for the door. Whereas with children, they'll get up and sing and they'll just, they'll be able to listen and critique and be but they're always so nice to each other as well they're yeah. like you were really good but i think you need to be louder things like that so i think getting them to be mindful of what they're listening to and then being mindful of what people are listening to when they're singing so getting them actively singing rather than sitting there and speaking at them too much so doing the thing throwing language at them they don't understand yeah so yeah and, and that makes them want to come back. And then once you get them... <laughs> <laughs> we should lock them in. No, once, once, yeah, once they're inspired and then once they really enjoy being with you, then you can then afford to go, let's cut to the chase. You have issues here and there. Mm. And they trust you. They, want, they know that you're going to be fun. And, you know, if you sort of scare them off by being... I have done that. I've definitely <laughs> scared off a few 11-year-olds by trying to be... You know, you need to know this. Yeah, da da da. Yeah. Um, talking about these random things they just don't even care about at that age. Um, so the best success I've had is inspiring them. You know, getting them involved and fueling the passion. Yeah. 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 It's an interesting one. I, I think one of the hardest things for us is to gauge that 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 or to make the transition between the inspiration and them doing the, what they like to do mm. to now. Now we just need to um, stop doing that. Stop doing that quite as much to get them out of that, yeah. their little bubble. Because yeah. it's lovely in that bubble. It's lovely. I love singing. I, I mean, to be fair, if someone can sing Jesse J, then good luck to you. Yeah. But, but, you know, I love singing. I love singing Adele. Yeah. Um, I don't know why to bring her up. I love singing Adele. But it's because a lot of kids like singing Adele. Right, yeah. Well, they did. Um, but, um, yeah, great. Follow the passion. Love it. thing is, once you get that student to, a, to an age where... Even if by your standards they're getting better slowly than say if you're working with an adult who's completely willing to just throw stuff at the wall and give stuff a go, mm. I think you're still going to get to a point where six months later, you know, their parents are noticing they're so much more confident. I was going to say with your um, the performances, standing yeah. up and singing in front of people, I mean, what that does for life skills yeah. in general... Yeah. You, just, just you encouraging that, that child to go up and sing in front of everyone could mean in 15 years' time they're not scared about getting up and doing a presentation, right? Absolutely. Incredible. I've, yeah, it's, it's, an, it's probably one of the most rewarding things to have someone's parent come back to you and say, so-and-so is really enjoying their lessons with you. Um, she's grown in so much confidence and she's come out of her shell. And I mean, fundamentally that's priceless mm. and, and this is just through singing so um and then on the side you are improving their voice because you're obviously giving them direction you're influencing them in hopefully a better way than they were being influenced before which is most of the time 
zero influence because they're just singing in their bedroom and copying what they hear on the radio. Um, so they are going to get better. But it's just, if you, if you have a child student from 11 to say 15, they're more than likely going to stick with you. And when they become into that adult stage of their life, they're going to then start understanding, oh, that's what that, that method really means. And it's hard because you just want to kind of cram as much yeah. knowledge into their little brains as possible. But they'll just go, no, nah, it's boring. And, and take switch off. Yeah. And then, then you've lost them anyway, so. Keep it fun. Keep it fun, man. Um, so I think, in fact, we've actually got to the end of the official interview. I'm not sure <laughs> when it actually became official, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I've got a couple, of, a couple of strange ones to ask you at the end. Look oh, at God. the eyes light up. We haven't discussed this at all, have we? So what I like to do with everyone at the end of just having a little chat mm-hmm. with people that are killing it in their industry is to talk about, to see if there's any themes across what they feel about life and... Um, and I guess uh, the mindset for life. And so I'm going to say a word. Yeah. And I'd love to know the first thoughts that come to your mind when I say the word. Oh dear. And it can be, you can say a person, you can say um, a thing, a job, a whatever comes to mind when I say the word happiness. Love. Ooh. Ooh. Can you elaborate? Oh, uh, so <laughs> It's like, it's like a back and forth. Yeah, yeah. I thought that's what it was. This is where, this is where it stops. Yeah, love. Yeah. Uh, I just think if you love, if you have love in your life, if you love what you do, if you love who you have around you, then you're going to be happy. I don't think you can be happy without love, to be honest. That's a cracking answer. Thanks. On the flip side, what, do you, what comes to mind when you hear the word annoying? Oh, first word that popped into my head was frustration, but I actually don't know if that makes a lot of sense. Um, I think maybe it's because you're perceiving that person or that thing in a way that's maybe not supposed to be perceived so a lot of people make snap decisions of someone or something or you know a voice and it's like hold on a minute you're being very judgmental you don't understand that whole person or that whole thing and I think if you were to understand them a bit more you'd probably be a bit nicer towards them so I think someone's only annoying because of your perception rather than the fact that they're annoying it's easy to say that looking out but when you're sat with someone annoying <laughs> when you're sat with someone who's eating loud or it's like well, why I, are you doing that yeah but, I mean yeah I, I guess that then that makes sense it's frustrating because you're like ah yeah. just stop doing that you're invading my personal space with your eating habits but let's be honest they probably don't even know they're doing it so right they don't it. mean they don't mean to be annoying but they are so. Living in their world. Being mindful for other people's lives. I think that's what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Lastly, let's go with an actual name this time. Somebody. Somebody can be celebrity, quote unquote. Um, anybody in your family, life, whatever, when you hear the word successful. Oh, it's a bit cliche. I instantly thought of one of my friends who's a singer. But there's a lot of successful friends or I have. But yeah. Name them. Um, her name's Kelly Lee. She's one of my best friends. Oh, yeah. And she is very similar to me in a sense that we've kind of grown in the music industry together. And we're very close. Obviously, we met through music. We met on a job. But we built this unbelievable connection on a personal level that was so different to us just both being singers. So it's very easy to be competitive. But we found this relationship where we 
never really threatened each other, but we educate each other, we inspire each other. And I do have that relationship as to she with other people, but she is someone who is so good at what she does. She's, she had, she's, a, she's an artist in her own right, but she, as a session vocalist, she had two number one hit singles last year. So she's the girl that did I Got You with yeah. Duke Dumont. Yeah. And she's also sang on the Second City song, I Wanna Feel. So it was basically like a Tony Braxton sample and a Whitney Houston sample. They both went to number one in the UK and they both did really well all over the world. And she just did those vocals as a session job and got to number one hit singles under her belt in the same summer. So for me, she's successful because not only is she one of the most loyal and supportive industry people I have the pleasure of working with, she's also one of my best friends. Mm. So she inspires me and she teaches me, she drives me and, you know, I to her as well, hopefully. Um, and yeah, she's very successful. I mean, you hear her name popping up in the music industry and no one's really got a bad word to say about her. She's always, her, her vocal abilities always precede her and she's just super lovely. And yeah, I think that's successful. I think having that balance is successful. I think you can be really successful business-wise and be an absolute douchebag on the personal front right. when she's not like that. So she's my successful beautiful successful idol what an answer <laughs> check her out yeah no brilliant so so what's um what's next for you then what's next next for me um i've taken a bit of time out i'm going to do a bit more songwriting i want to sort of channel that creative side of my brain um and the business stuff will tick over hopefully i'm still going to do some more gigs with ollie i've got more gigs with pro i've got um, who knows what else will come my way mm. and yeah just I'm gonna try and delve into doing more stuff for me you know I'm always fine-tuning myself and indulging in stuff that I haven't indulged in for a while um, maybe do less work and get paid more for it well what a concept oh. <laughs> Who would have thought of let's... getting lazy in my old age? No. And I tell you what, if that's not a if that's not a note to to end the uh, the chat on, I think that let's all do less and get paid more. Did you bring your checkbook? No. Okay. Job done. <laughs> Stay tuned for more educational research videos coming right up. But if you want to join me on this journey, please subscribe to my YouTube channel or like my Facebook page and or find me on Twitter. All of these you can find by sticking Steve Giles UK into the search box.